worship you. We bless your name. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. As we are standing, we can go to the word of the Lord tonight. Amen. Hebrews 12 and 14. Amen. This has been our, our verse, foundation verse we're launching from for this series. Uh, we are part four tonight. We started it seven weeks ago, believe it or not. Uh, a lot of things that happened in between. But uh, we're continuing on. Hebrews 12, 14. Uh, Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Amen. We all want to see the Lord. Amen. So uh, we have to follow peace and live a holy life uh, so that we can see him. And so tonight is uh, part four, the sword of separation. Uh, Turn to a few people. Greet them as you're seated this evening. Amen. We've been uh, talking about uh, holiness and what that means uh, as an apostolic, as a believer, a born-again believer, uh, to live a holy life as we are commanded. It's not just an option. It's not uh, if you feel like it, but uh, we are also commanded to live a holy life and uh, live, uh, present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. And so uh, it would seem that the way Paul writes about it, uh, holiness is not really an issue. It shouldn't be an issue uh, because uh, it, he, he combines it in as our reasonable service to live a holy life. Uh, and so it should not be an issue but uh, it is um, as, as much as apostolic as Acts 2.38, uh, as doctrine and oneness uh, also is holiness. It comprises the apostolic believer, uh, not just one God, Jesus' name, baptism, Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues, but uh, through the Spirit, uh, gifts of the Spirit, and also all of this is wrapped up in holiness uh, because God is holy uh, and so his people uh, need to be holy as well. If God is going to dwell uh, among his people, we have to uh, prepare ourselves to be holy as well. Uh, so I'm going to turn my phone on silent. Somebody in Washington, I don't know, Washington State. Um, it's amazing, even, you know, been out of serve, out of barely have cell service for, for weeks and then, you know, as soon as you get it, all of a sudden the spam calls keep coming back in, you know, just man. But, um, and so uh, we got to pursue after holiness. Paul talks about uh, perfecting holiness, and it is a process. It really is a lifelong process because you, I don't think you ever reach a, a point of perfection of holiness because uh, God is so holy, we, we really can't ever reach that stage of perfection. So we should always be pursuing after holiness uh, and striving to become more and more holy. That means uh, looking back over our life, our walk with God, 
we should uh, be uh, see a drastic change from where we who we used to be before the Lord and then after the Lord, obviously, but not. Uh, I don't think it should stop there. That's probably the most drastic between light and dark. Uh, but a as we age in our walk with God, uh, hopefully that our holiness is maturing as well and we are drawing closer to God and we're not dealing, struggling with things that uh, we may have uh, earlier in our walk with God. Uh, so we are growing healthy uh, as believers. And so uh, that is why I have said that I believe that the fight for holiness and the line of separation is uh, one of the greatest fights that we face, especially in these last days. Uh, it used to be a fight and a struggle for uh, Jesus' name baptism 100 years ago. That was a battle. That was a dividing line. But now... Uh, everyone, not everyone, but more and more people are baptizing in Jesus' name. And that, that fight is not much of a fight anymore, but holiness and separation is still a, a fight, I believe, that we will always be facing and fighting. And so we talked about the two paths of approaching holiness. You got the letter, the letter of holiness and the spirit of holiness uh, the letter is is where you might look for everything spelled out specifically. And the Bible does spell some things out, but it does not spell everything out. But the spirit of holiness, the, the, the principle, the, the real looking for the heart of God behind it all, uh, that can speak to you and give you direction uh, when dealing with things, even if the Bible is not clear uh, and specifically talking about it, like TV and Internet. We don't have any scripture for that. So that doesn't mean we're, we're good to go. Uh, that means, okay, so then we gotta, we got to look into it. What, is, what does God think about this or other scriptures help point us in the a direction of, of how to utilize these things in our days? Because uh, we live in a completely different world than they did 2,000 years ago. And so... Uh, obviously, we stand upon the Word of God, and we know it. It, it is our, our our sword of the Spirit. It is our weapon, uh, and so we have to believe that it it can speak to everything that we are dealing with today. Uh, but we know that it doesn't spell it out exactly. Uh, but the Spirit of Holiness uh, will teach us and will speak to us uh, for every situation. And our last lesson, part three, that we talked about was. Uh, we talked about that line, that proverbial line of separation. Uh, where does that end and begin? Uh, because there all, always is a line. And the enemy likes to try to uh, blur out the line and say, oh, that really doesn't matter. There's some gray area. There's neutral. Uh, but uh, the Bible says what fellowship has light with darkness. Uh, and so there obviously there's a, there's a line somewhere. And we can... Uh, you can bring up every situation, every possible situation, and, and you, you can really look for the line. I mean, that takes takes work and takes study and de devotion. And many people may not want to do that. They just, uh, well, that's just not that important or, uh, or or just, you know, just, oh, it's just we're going to live and believe by faith. But I, I believe uh, we need to study to show ourselves approved. Uh, and so, uh, you know, I don't. I don't teach on holiness uh, uh, every month or all the time, but uh, uh, it is part of us, and uh, obviously you need to teach on it more, obviously, uh, at least yearly. Um, but again, 
uh, we should you shouldn't have to wait for the pastor to speak to something about in your life. I mean, we we're all grown ups, we're all adults. We should be able to say, okay, let me let me take some time out and search the scriptures for myself, do a Bible study for myself, and to figure out what where this thing is, or should I let it in my life, or what kind of limitations we need to put on it because. Uh, I, I, I'm not going to micromanage everyone's life. I mean, that uh, I, my hair would turn gray in a second, and I'd be, you know, I, I'd look like I'm 95, you know. Uh, and so um, uh, we all have to study to show ourselves approved, and, and the only message and the only Bible study you hear should not be Thursday night or Sunday, uh, but you, you, can, uh, uh, you, you should be doing that as well. And, and so... Uh, we, we, our last lesson, we all got to be Moses for a moment, uh, talking about Mount Sinai where God told Moses to put up a fence um, on the mountain and whoever crossed over the fence would be struck dead. Uh, and so the question went out, uh, so where do we draw the line? Where do we put up that fence? And, and so um, God didn't tell Moses where to put it. He just said put up a fence. And wherever Moses put it up, that's where God honored that. And whoever crossed the line uh, would, would be struck dead. It didn't matter if they didn't like where the fence was. Uh, there, That's where it was. And so with a small sampling of people, uh, there were uh, lines uh, everywhere. Uh, but Moses put the fence up where he deemed best. And so as a pastor of the church, I have to put up a fence somewhere. Um, there, there has to be a line. There has to be a standard of holiness. Uh, and so obviously we, we look to the word of God for uh, direction on that. Otherwise, without a line, without a fence, it's a free-for-all. And each does what is right in their own eyes. And uh, you can imagine how that ends up. Proverbs 12 and 15 says, the, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he that hearkeneth unto counsel is wise. So hearkening to counsel is saying that um, I, I can draw the line myself, but at least I want to hear what uh, uh, an elder says or some uh, uh, the pastor says because uh, listening to counsel is, is wise. And so... How can that be a bad thing? Uh, seeking counsel, uh, getting other uh, opinions and thoughts and angles. Uh, many times we can only see one direction, one angle, one perspective, but somebody else can have a different perspective. And it kind of opens up, well, I never thought about looking at it like that. Uh, and so, again, the, uh, the, fool, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes. But the more eyes you get on it, uh, the better perspective and understanding we should have. And so um, there are three kinds of standards um, we, of lines that we can draw. If you put up the picture there for me, um, we got biblical standards, uh, we've got church standards, uh, and we got personal standards. And I don't know if you can see this. Yeah, this is kind of what we talked about last time where uh, we all, we're all were Moses, we're all picking our, where we're putting the fence. But uh, the Bible is where, obviously, the Bible says where that is, and you cross over that, then, uh, then there's sin or there's death or whatever. Uh, and, and so uh, uh, we want to, uh, we don't want to cross over the, the biblical standard because that's probably sin uh, lying on the other side of the fence. 
on the other side of the line. And so you got the the biblical standards if it's spelled out in Scripture. Uh, and then I uh, ideally you got uh, some church standards that give us a little bit more grace so we're not so close to the line. Uh, so when uh, we have grace when we... Uh, uh, we don't live so close to it that one one trip up, one fall, uh, then you know you're you're really in trouble. And then you got uh, personal standards; uh, those uh, ideally, hopefully, would be even stricter uh, than what we would teach here, uh, and even stricter than what the Bible says. Because uh, again, uh, that's personal standards. But you you don't want to live your life uh, looser. And more freely than than the Bible says, uh, because then you're obviously uh, walking in dangerous territory. And so, we obviously want to give ourselves uh, extra space. We should hold ourselves to a higher standard. That way, if we break our standard, it's not like we're falling into sin. We still have a lot of space before uh, that line hits. Uh, and so, um, for example, we'll use this. Um, this is pretty, uh, uh, a pretty uh, heavy, heavy line here. But this illustrates how we all uh, set up personal standards in our lives that uh, gives us many, many much grace before we mess up. So, let's say the 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 line up there, the Bible, the number four, the Bible says. Uh, that line there, um, it says uh, adultery is sin, right? So obviously the line there would be adultery is sin. You don't want to cross that line. So let me ask you, uh, especially men, uh, you know, are you living, do you live at number five or do you have personal things in your life that you're you're living down at number 12 or something? Like, uh, a church standard would be here, like you don't, uh, uh, a male and a female shouldn't be in a closed room together, right? That would, that's safety, right? It's not a sin to be in a room with a woman, right? You can be in there talking, whatever. But, again, we want to set some guardrails up because just, just for whatever. Uh, and so, obviously, you know, you don't want to necessarily ride in a, in a vehicle with somebody else. It's not... I can ride in a vehicle with some with a with another woman. That's not a sin, but am I going to do that? Nope, because I got uh, my personal standards uh, are way down there, and uh, there's a lot of fences between me uh, and, and adultery, right? Uh, and so that's an example of a, a biblical standard says uh, adultery sin, and so you start backing up. Okay, I'm getting way 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 back from that. Let me set this up, this up, this up. Uh, I'm not going to be with somebody of the opposite sex alone. Uh, you know, uh, I don't like uh, really texting uh, uh, females by myself. Uh, uh, and so I don't want to be alone. Uh, and I'm sure all of you guys as well um, and everybody, uh, we all have these personal standards that we're putting up that, hey, I'm not doing this. It's not that it's a sin, but I don't even want to be, I don't even get close to that line, Right. And so that's what we're talking about with with holiness is uh, we we shouldn't want and, and shouldn't really be comfortable like hey I'm living I'm living next to the line uh, and, and so uh, we we would try to live by what the Bible says if it spells it out uh, we want to live uh, uh, as safely as we can without that 
and again, the things with holiness, uh, holiness is not really, it's not necessarily a sin uh, if, you, if you do that, but uh, depending on what it is, but uh, uh, it's just, it just drawing closer and closer to the world as opposed to closer and closer to God. Uh, and so uh, breaking these, uh, a standard of holiness is, is you're not going to be struck dead as they were on Mount Sinai. But the fact is that you might be going in the, the opposite direction than we should be. Uh, and so, um, so we, we, we've, uh, this kind of been a, a brief recap of, of what we've been talking about. First Peter 1 and 15 says, but as he which has called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, uh, because it is written, be ye holy for I am holy. Uh, the conversation uh, that word conversation does not mean speaking like we use conversation. That word conversation is literally means lifestyle. Uh, so be holy in all manner of your lifestyle. Every way you live, everything you do, try to be holy and to give God glory because it is written, be holy for I am holy. Now obviously if God is holy and he's asking us to be holy, then there's, he knows that there's, there's a way that we can live holy that is pleasing to him. We can't be uh, as perfect as he is, but if he's saying, hey, you guys need to be holy, that means he knows we can do it. He's not asking us something we cannot do. Uh, And so uh, we talked about uh, Paul addressing really, I believe, the foundation for holiness in the New Testament is 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. It says, what? Uh, Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and you are, are not your own. For you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So this tells us uh, that our body no longer belongs to us. That God purchased us. He bought us, and our bodies are not our own, uh, and that we are to glorify God in our body because it is God's body now. If you want the Holy Ghost, if you want salvation, if you want to be saved and redeemed from this world, the only way a plan of salvation is for the Holy God to come and live inside of you, uh, and he, 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 takes, he buys your body, and then you are to uh, live your life uh, given God glory in all that we do. And, and so the, the whole, um, you know, the whole uh, abortion argument has always been my body, my choice. Uh, but as a Christian, a born-again Christian, you can't, even, you can't even use that because it's not our body. It's not my body, so it's not my choice. It's God's body. And so what does God think about it? Uh, and, and so... Um, uh, and so in teaching all of this, this is kind of, I believe, where Paul lays this foundation about holiness in the New Testament is that we, are, we, we, we live differently than the Old Testament. And in fact, I believe it's more of a stricter life. As, as many laws, 613 laws in the Old Testament, as, as strict as it may seem, I believe God is holding us to a higher standard in the New Testament. Why? Because... His, his spirit is now inside of us. 
It used to dwell in the tabernacle in the temple where only one person could go into there and feel the presence of God like that one day out of the year. That was how close God was to man. Now we're in the New Testament and that spirit is inside of us. We have a higher standard of living. We are called, we need to live a holy life, present our bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. Why? Because his spirit is inside of us. And so it's not just by grace and living by grace and, and you know, uh, do whatever you want and God is loving and forgiving. He is. But he holds us to a higher standard, I believe, uh, and in the New Testament. Where in the Old Testament, uh, you know, uh, obviously adultery was, uh, it was spelled out and that was the sin. When Jesus says in the New Testament, if you even think on a woman, you're, sin- you're sinning. The act, or and now he says you're you're not even got to the act. It's all the act's in your mind. You're sinning now. You want to talk about holding us to a higher standard? Uh, the New Testament is pretty strict, I think. Uh, and so even thinking things um, is is in God's eyes is just as bad as committing the act. Obviously, committing the acts there's even more consequences, but. Uh, uh, again, God is trying to hold us to a higher standard. Why? Because his spirit is inside of us. These, these, these vessels uh, uh, made of clay hold this super uh, spiritual, super holy spirit. I mean, we're not even worthy to, to hold all that. Uh, and so that's why we are to cleanse ourselves in repentance and baptism and, and walk in, uh, after the word of God and live in a holy life to, uh, to keep God with us. And so in teaching on, uh, on holiness, there are so many individual specific situations and things that can be brought up. Well, what about this thing and this thing and this thing? How does all this work? And again, um, I'm not here to, to spell out every, every imaginable situation or all these things because we would, we would or every product, everything out there, uh, we'll be here all night and we'll be, this series will continue until Jesus comes if we try to address everything. And again, that's kind of how, that's a letter of the law. If it's not spelled out then there, well, it's not written there, so we may be good. Uh, but again, the Old Testament was really, God already tried that. God tried spelling everything out and as much as he could, addressing situations and all these things. If your cow, uh, if your bull gores somebody and all these things, this is what you need to do. He's, he's spelled everything out as, as best as he could. But again, even, it, that didn't even work. Because uh, they, they still sinned, and it is spelled out literally. And here in the New Testament, there's not much spelled out, but yet he's holding us to a higher standard. Uh, and so um, we have to, uh, I'm not here to, to address every single situation and idea. My goal is to, to teach on what the Bible speaks on and uh, teach the principle behind it because it's got to, the Bible has to address everything. Uh, in one way or another, uh, and so to teach the principle behind it, why why it says that, why we believe that way, and uh, if we understand the heart and the spirit behind it, we should be able to take that and apply it to all these things that come up. And so uh, we are told to glorify God by what we do to our body, um, but also we are to, and part of glorifying God with our bodies is 
is how we, we, we cover it. We cover our bodies. Uh, we got to give glory in that way. And so um, how we dress uh, is, is where we're going next. Uh, our outward appearance is an important element of, of holiness. Uh, you know, people... People like to like to argue. Well, holiness is an inside thing, and 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 you know God judges the heart, and man judges the outward appearance, uh, which is true. Uh, but if if people have a pure holiness inside, what happens is it's going to eventually make its way out. You can't look like a slob and, and say you're just so pure, you're so close to God and you're so pure and holy, but yet your outward appearance is 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 filthy. Uh, Jesus got onto the on the Pharisees because their outward was appearance, their outside holiness was 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 the mark. Uh, but he said their inside, their hearts were were dirty. The cup was filthy on the inside, but they were worrying about the outside. Uh, and, and so the argument is is you know uh, when you go, you know, they they like to use this illustration. I've heard it used many times. When you uh, you know you got a banana. Uh, you're eating the inside, right? The inside of the banana, um, and that's 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 the holiness. That's the internal holiness, and so that's what God is looking for. But let me ask you: uh, when you go and buy a banana, how do you decide which one to pick? Do you get the ones that are brown? Well, you, well, well the inside is good, but it's just brown on the outside. Uh, and so, no, you judge you judge your banana by the outside, and that tells you has that that tells you what the inside might be like, right? Uh, and so, the whole argument of well, God judges the heart. Oh, we don't worry about standards here. Well, you, you know, standards are outward standards are important. Uh, obviously, if you get the inside right, the outside is going to work as well. Uh, but the problem is, is when you try to uh, legalize and mandate the outside. Uh, if the inside is not clean, it doesn't matter. The outside doesn't matter. And eventually, obviously, the fruit will be known by our fruits. And so uh, the, 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 outs, the inward is going to come out in one way or another. Uh, and so you, uh, we obviously focus first on receiving the Holy Ghost, getting God working on the inside, and uh, God will begin to work and convict on the outside appearance. Uh, and so we don't just judge people. Uh, on the outside uh, because we know God has to do a work on the inside first. If you want the outside to stick, then the inside has to be cleaned and, and, and ready to, to go. Uh, and so uh, our dress reveals to others about our commitment and our belief uh, to God and his word. It is important for Christians to appear to be holy and godly in front of others, right? Uh, how else are, are we going to uh, represent God People, people can't see our hearts, and, and, and so their first things we, that we see is people how they uh, appear. Uh, and so, uh, since uh, we man looks on the outward appearance, it's important for Christians and born again believers to uh, display an outward appearance of holiness. Uh, and so, it's not this is not just a, a religion that oh, why do you dress like that? Why do you do that? Well, my religion tells me no. That's 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 hogwash because uh, uh, we're not, not really. We should be able to under, explain why we do what we do. Not just my religion tells me. Uh, there's a lot of religions that tell people a lot of things to do, 
But we're, we don't, we're not in a religion. We're in a relationship with Jesus Christ. We have the Holy Ghost inside of us, and that, that causes a transformation in our life and every part of our life, the way we live and act and, and, and what we wear and what we do, what we don't do. Uh, and so uh, we are called to, to present our bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service, not what we think is acceptable, but what God has accepted, uh, accepts. And so this goes all the way back into the beginning. The beginning, the sword of separation. Uh, at first, um, Adam and Eve, they were clothed with innocence. They were naked, but they were clothed with innocence. Uh, they, were, they were clothed in holiness because they walked with God. God does not walk with uh, filthiness. Because he is so holy, he, I mean, he can't get close to filthiness. Uh, and so uh, that's why we have to live a holy life so that he can uh, be close to us. Uh, and so even though Adam and Eve were naked in the beginning, they didn't know it, but they were clothed in holiness and in innocence because they walked with God every day. Uh, but obviously uh, sin came in, and then what does the Bible say? That they, they realized that they were, they, they were naked. This wisdom and knowledge that they're wanting, they got it, and they realized that they were naked. Uh, and so then what happened is nakedness became a shame unto hum humanity. It became a shame, uh, and it became a danger to them. And so they were, they were now separated from God's glory, which had been their covering, and they didn't even realize that they were naked. Uh, but then... Uh, sin, uh, the line of separation, they crossed the line and they realized now that they were naked and became uh, nakedness, it was a shame uh, to mankind. And so um, so what did they do? Genesis 3 and 7, the eyes of them were both opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. So this... Their eyes are open, and now all of a sudden they, they, they feel shamed by their nakedness. And so what do they do on their, by themselves is they start making some clothes. I don't, God didn't tell them to do that. Obviously, they just, this is just what they felt. They're, 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 now it was a shame to them. And so they, uh, they, sew, they made themselves apron. Um, Adam and Eve still knew they were naked in God's sight, though. Uh, because God uh, calls to them and he says, you know, we, we're naked, we hid ourselves. Well, how would you know you're naked? Uh, and so they tried to cover their nakedness by sewing together fig leaves to make an apron. And uh, that, that word in, in Hebrew uh, means a girdle or a belt or a, a loincloth kind of thing, just, just covering your, uh, your, the pubic regions. Um, and, and so that is... Uh, that is what we assume that they made, something like that. Um, this was, again, they had a clean slate. They were the first people to make clothes. And this is what they thought would be acceptable. This was man's idea of modesty, which is cover, this, cover the, the pubic region, and we, we feel a little bit better, I guess. Uh, and so, uh, so that's, that's man's idea of modesty. But it, was that acceptable unto God? Genesis 3 and 21, 
Uh, Unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skin and clothe them. So here we see uh, what God's standard of holiness is versus man's standard. Now there's obviously a drastic difference here. And we're talking, we're way, way in the beginning. Uh, We're so far down the line now. I mean, geez. But... uh, uh, First humans, God obviously, obviously said, "Man, these they fell. When they fell, they fell." Because I gotta go. To, I gotta make clothes for them. They don't even. They're not even covering themselves properly, and they have all this knowledge now, right? That they got from the tree. Uh, and so, the Lord God made coats of skins and clothed them. Uh, and so here we're talking about now. The Bible says now they're clothed uh, according to God's standard. Uh, obviously, uh, their, their fig leaves, uh, sewn together was not acceptable to God. Um, and, uh, and who knows how long those would have last. They'd be, they'd be making underwear every week, you know. Uh, thankfully, they, God showed them that you can just, uh, kill skin, kill animals and use their clothing. This was obviously, uh, it would seem that this was probably the first animals that were killed, uh, for uh, to help help humanity out, and it was used to cover them, to clothe them, and and modesty, uh, and uh, holiness to the best that we can uh, be uh, present ourselves holy now because we've fallen uh, from God, and so um, so God made them a coat and clothed them. The Hebrew word for coat means. Uh, a tunic with sleeves coming down to the knees and sometimes to the ankles. So think of it as a robe. Uh, so this is what God made for them uh, all the way back then. Uh, and so um, that was apparent. That was God's idea of of a modesty, modest dress, uh, all the way back then. A more of a robe covering your uh, your sl- with sleeves and and covering at least to the knees and and many. May, may even going down to the ankles, just a, a robe, a tunic, I guess, you know. Um, and, and so that goes all the way back to the beginning. So we're, you know, 2022, we're not just some crazy uh, cult of a religion that says we should dress modestly. No, it goes back to the, the very f- first beginnings of, of the book of Genesis, all the way back there. Uh, and so where modesty starts appearing is where sin appears and grace appears. Now God says, hey, let's start living a holy life now. I've got to teach you how to live a holy life if we still want to have somewhat of a relationship uh, with God and man. Uh, we've got to present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. Uh, and so uh, this, again, sets a standard that we have our way of doing things, and we may think it's okay, but is that really acceptable unto God? Again, Paul reiterates that, uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. Many people nowadays, churches, want to run around with fig leaves. And they say, oh, God doesn't worry about that. He's judging the heart. Well, uh, I beg to differ. Uh, and so... Um, obviously, we, we need to present ourselves and we need to dress modestly. And uh, obviously, our idea of modesty is going to, it should be different than the world's idea of modesty. They don't even have a, a modesty anymore. 
Uh, and so uh, we uh, are, are called, again, uh, to a higher standard um, than uh, people because we are separated to be separate from this world, to be a, uh, a vessel to be used by God. Uh, musicians, if you would come. Um, and so we see in uh, 1 Timothy 2, verse 8, it says, I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands, without wrath and doubting, in like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel, shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broided hair or gold or pearls or costly array, but which becometh women professing godliness unto good works. And so I know it's specifically kind of talking about uh, women to women to wear modest apparel, uh, but also we need to speak to men nowadays to, to dress modestly. Uh, we definitely don't want to be taking any uh, ideas from the men of this world, how they dress, what men are still left out there. Uh, but, um, and so men need to dress modestly as well as women. Uh, and so obviously uh, a modest woman would, would stand out more than a modest man uh, because of uh, the business world out there have high dress standards as well, suits and ties. I mean, uh, executives and all these things, and uh, uh, but uh, women would tend to stand out a little bit more, um, and so we don't need to we don't need to add any more weight on their lives. It's already a a, 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 a battle and a fight to uh, stay separate and and not to uh, give in to the things of this world. And so uh, we uh, a godly man would be attracted to godliness and modesty. Uh, and so that is what uh, we are all called to do, is to, to live a modest life. And so uh, to, dress, to dress modestly implies that clothing must be, uh, provide sufficient covering for the body so that others are not tempted. Uh, and again, you can, um, we are, this is not our body anymore. This is God's body, and so we did it. We should clothe it uh, that represents God in a good way. And if we if we are dressing immodestly, which attracts uh, people to us in our bodies, we're not. They're not being attracted to to God. They're being attracted to our body, which is not our body anymore. But um, and again, they're they're being attracted for the wrong reason. Uh, and so that is why uh, mod that's what modesty implies is that we are not dressing ourselves uh, to attract the uh, the opposite sex, but we are dressing ourselves to attract God. We want God in our lives, and we want Him to be close, and we want to uh, present ourselves a living sacrifice and and be a holy uh, vessel that God is can get close to. Uh, and so. Uh, Notice that the devil tries to do just the opposite of what God is asking us. God asks us to dress modestly, to give him glory. But the, the devil does the exact opposite. One of the things that the demon-possessed man of Gadarea, uh, was, what, one of the things he did, what the Bible tells us, demon-possessed man ripped all his clothes off. And he ran around naked in the woods, in the mountains. Exact opposite of what God is asking us to do. 
Uh, and so you can just uh, multiply that with the culture and the world that we live in. The draw, the draw of the world is not to put more clothes on. The draw of the world is to get the clothes off and, and, and to do away with modesty. And, uh, um, and so uh, that's why uh, when Jesus cast the devil out of that man, what happened? The Bible says he came down, he worshiped at his feet, he was clothed and in his right mind. And so if you want to get to the feet of Jesus, you got to clothe yourselves in modesty the closer you can get to him so you can bow down to his feet and, and worship him because that is what is drawing to God. God is drawn to is, is modesty and clothed uh, because uh, we want to give him glory with our bodies that he has purchased uh, for us and from us. Uh, and so... Uh, the draw of this world is not uh, that direction, is the exact opposite direction. We stand with me tonight. Um, immodest apparel uh, indicates the, the presence of, uh, of, a, of a lustful spirit. If you're not, if, if you uh, dress, if you're half dressed, then you're obviously doing that for a reason. Uh, a desire to uh, flaunt the body is to attract. Uh, the uh, opposite sex. And so immodesty is a strong temptation and an enticement, especially for men who are more visually oriented and more quickly aroused than women. And so uh, you want to you wanna, uh, figure out, you want a, a quick uh, test of a, of a nation's uh, spirituality or, or, or culture is to look at the women how do the women dress in public you can get, a, get an idea of how things are going there uh, and uh, it's sad to say it today but uh, you know you're lucky to find a half dressed woman out there in this world uh, and so it's like the the, the, the more clothes that are uh, people are wearing the closer we're getting to Jesus right uh, and so um, ladies, uh, godly men should not have to come into the church and be tempted with, with lust or uh, with, un, with uh, immodest apparel, uh, especially us people that have been in church a long time. Obviously, new people coming in, they don't know all this. They haven't been taught all this. Uh, but that is why we come to church uh, dressing modestly. Uh, we don't need, men don't need to be tempted. Women don't need, no temptation needs to be happening in the church. Because this should be a holy place and we should uh, be far from those things. Uh, and so uh, that is God is calling all of us to dress modestly to present ourselves and this body as a living sacrifice. Because uh, I need more of God in my life and the, the way that attracts God is modesty and in clothes and, and, and purity and holiness. And uh, we need more of him in these last days, especially looking like the world is going on out there. We got to draw closer to God. That means I got to get more holy. Somehow I got to get rid of these things and worldliness and uncleanliness in my life. God, search me. Any of these things and filthiness of the flesh of the spirit, God, what are these things that uh, may be in my life? that I, I my eyes are closed to but God open my eyes because I want to draw closer to you I want to go deeper in the Holy Ghost with you and and, and well, how that is is I got to get rid of all these things so that I can draw closer to him
Amen. If we can close our eyes and we begin to sing, just to begin to think on the Lord and say, ask him, God, to search our hearts. If there's anything in our hearts, God, that is standing in the way or blocking us or blocking access to a new dimension in you, God, help us to remove those things, to tear them down, God, so that you can have access to our heart and our spirit. Help us to glorify you, Jesus, with our bodies and our minds and our actions, Jesus. Because we need you, Lord. We need you more, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Help us, Jesus. Put on the mind of Christ in these last days. Hallelujah. Think it. desire, Lord. That's what I want to do. That's what I want to go, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. I want to sit at your feet, drink from the cup in your hand, lay back against you and breathe, fill your heart This love is so says God made them male and female Genesis 1 all the way back there what are the well the attack the enemy is no let's let's blur that there's many genders uh, and it doesn't matter how you dress or what you do uh, but it's amazing how next time you go into a, a public restroom how is it that you know which one is the women's and how do you know which ones is the men's because the women's sign is a woman in a dress and the man's sign is a man with pants on. 
The whole world still operates by that. There's a distinguishing factor between a man and a woman. Even the bathrooms declare it. The Bible declares it. The bathrooms declare it. That's how we're going to live our life. It's everywhere. Everywhere we go, right? A man and a woman should be dressed differently and distinguished from one another. Amen. That gives God glory. Amen. And uh, let's go out there and live a holy life and, and let our light shine brighter than ever before. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you back here uh, on Sunday.